Through the Matrix on the 16th of January 2012. For newcomers, you should always make use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find over a thousand audios on there for free download, and hopefully, you'll get answers to the big system you're born into. This confusing matrix that you're born into uh, that really is, is one hell of a mind job where big organizations, big private organizations, foundations, big international uh, bankers, literally a long time ago, set up to take over the world, everything in it, and using science, they would make it into the more perfected version of how the world should really be, including the kind, the kind of folk they want to live in it too, how they'd behave, uh, and, so, and how many they'd be too. That's a big part of it as well. Uh, they wanted to bring down the population to what they saw was a post-industrial level, so we're, we're, we're on our way now with the cancers skyrocketing and, and so on. Anyway, help yourself to the to the audios. Remember, all those sites listed at cuttingthroughthematrix.com have uh, transcripts for print up too in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and help yourself to the variety offered there. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't sell anything at all except my books and discs, and uh, uh, that keeps me going. I, I just crawl along with it, basically. And that way I've got more scope to to be, be more honest. After all, if you're selling something from different sponsors, you're kind of obliged to them or obliged to the kind of things that they're selling to go along with it. So I'm kind of a free agent. And um, uh, all the ads you hear on this particular uh, broadcast are by private companies right to RBN. I have nothing to do with it. And that pays RBN for the airtime, and hopefully it pays for the staff too. And maybe a little left over for their bills because uh, these these companies use a lot of cash to put out these these particular shows. So you can help me by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember you can purchase using a personal check or a, a postal money order from the post office, an international one. Uh, you just have for international postal order. It's but the same price as a regular one. And you can use PayPal. Some people send cash. Across the world, you've got PayPal, Western Union, and MoneyGram to make your order. And what I try to do here is to say, I, I basically chronicle the history as we're going through it uh, and how it happens and why it's happening too, because a lot of the stuff that, that you're hearing today seems so zany and wacky and, and out of whack uh, that you, you think they're just crazy at the top. That's what they want you to think, of course, too. But, but nothing's out of whack whatsoever. It's all going according to plan. This is the way it's supposed to be. Because, you see, all vestiges of your culture, all, right down to the most minutest detail, they must destroy everything. This is the agenda to bring in the new type of creature for, for the new society, the new world order, uh, the new century. It's a century of change. And, uh, as I say, uh, the big boys who funded communism from the very beginning, 
and who planned it actually and controlled it and controlled capitalism are out to bring in this whole new world order regardless of what it costs uh, and lives and everything else. And uh, they will get their way because most folk don't really know what's happening. It's not just a political game here. Politics is a game to keep you fooled. That's what politics has always been. Uh, Because the politicians are all selected in advance uh, and vetted by those who rule the world, uh, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, for instance, CFR, and uh, then presented to you to take your your pick of, of who you want. They're all the same. They're all members of the CFR across the world, by the way, now. And, um, it's like the old Politburo. Do you want Politburo number one, A, B, or C for the Russians? Now it's the same thing here. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and just talking about this, chronicling the events as we go through this big system, because uh, you understand everything that is everything in society, every everything that controls the social order, your cultural orders, all of these things uh, have been so worked out perfectly a long, long time ago. Last week I mentioned uh, the Soviet art of uh, psycho, basically brainwashing psycho uh, politics and psycho um, uh, whatever it was, it was, it was, it was really basically to do with brainwashing. And the idea, uh, it's a very old thing, back from the 1930s, that particular one was. And many were turned out after it to do with uh, more techniques in brainwashing whole nations, whole countries, whole continents. And they've been awfully successful. That ties in with what Brzezinski talked about. Not Brzezinski, Brzezinski but Bezmanov. Uh, when he said that they had no idea that their techniques of degrading culture and society had worked so well. And you have to go through all the planks of the Communist Manifesto to find out what they were talking about, because they talked about end of family unit, uh, they wanted to end um, bonding between male and female, uh, they could have lots of sex but no bonding, and the state would provide the, the abortions. This is back in the 30s and so on. And um, we've seen it all come true, it's all come to pass, because the communists were inside your own countries long ago at the high levels. But anyway, we're seeing the effects of it today, and they, they go further and further into craziness. It appears to be craziness to the general public, but it's not craziness at all to do with transgenders and, and all the rest of it. Uh, there's an article out today. It says, Sex Swap Teenager to Enter Miss England Contest. And it's a teenage transsexual has become the first sex swap patient. It's not sex at all. You know, it's supposed to be gender swap. And you can't change your gender no matter, matter how well the surgeon applies his little skills there. But the fact is, I mean, if you don't have ovaries and so on, you're, you're not a female. But anyway, uh, that's prejudicial, you see. You've got to allow them. If they want to be a female, you've got to say, yeah, okay, you're a female. And um, is now into the Miss England beauty pageant. But it's been pushed from the top down. All culture, you see, in these changes are pushed from the top, not from the bottom level. And uh, uh, it's interesting they're pushing this as well. It says Jackie Green became the UK's youngest transsexual after an open Thailand on her, on her it really is, 16th birthday. The 18-year-old who was born Jack but lived as a girl since age 10 how can you live since as a girl from the age you're either a boy or a girl, you see, was asked to enter by modelling scouts who had no idea of her history. Well, that'd be nonsense too, because they would definitely know. 
So uh, this is a, we're supposed to be all happy about this and celebrate it. I guess it was, that's what they say nowadays. Celebrate their, their change. Oh, let's all have a celebration. But uh, this is all to do with transhumanism. And that the more uh, types that they can spin out there to the general public, the more confused you are eventually about what, what is real and what isn't real and what's right, what's, what's not right, and uh, what, what is and what isn't. And eventually they'll come forth with different kinds of uh, humans, part animal, part this, and you'll accept it quite naturally. And then, of course, you get all the commies coming out and say, well, you've got to give them the same rights as humans, you know, they're, they're part human. And, and all that stuff was debated in science fiction uh, books back in the 60s. All that stuff. Because you're conditioned in advance, you see, by what you read, primarily through fiction. Uh, or Hollywood, again, Hollywood's a great one for promoting all this stuff. And it, it implants ideas in your head to, be, to familiarize yourself with the idea so when the real thing comes along, because it's familiar to you, uh, you just go along with it, think, well, I guess it had to come, and yada, yada, yada. So, as that's going on too, uh, with the end of, of the, the Middle East going on as well, because they're determined going through the old plan that the new American century drew up with all the countries they wanted to take out, they're determined to finish it off in the Middle East uh, under Obama. And it says, U.S. troops quietly surge into Middle East uh, Pentagon has quietly shifted combat troops and warships to the Middle East after the top American commander in the region warned that he needed additional forces to deal with Iran and other potential threats. I love how they, they reverse everything, eh? So Orwellian. Uh, it says, Marine Corps General James Mattis, who heads U.S. Central Command, won White House approval for the deployments late last year after talks with the government in Baghdad broke down over keeping U.S. troops in Iraq. By the extent of the Pentagon moves, it's only now becoming clear. As his officials said, the deployments are not meant to suggest a build-up to war. No, no, no. But rather are intended as a quick reaction and contingency force in case a military crisis erupts in the standoff with Tehran over its suspected nuclear weapons program. So, as I say, it's just an old agenda, and any excuse will do, because the first casualty of, of war is truth. And, uh, of course, they've, they've been building up to inside Jordan on the border there uh, to go into Syria as well. Read the, the, Israel paper, the, the Jerusalem papers. You get far more truth from what's happening there than you get in the U.S. Now, since ancient times when money was invented, basically, and they could then hire armies and pay them in money and give them lots of brothels too, and uh, which is standard even to today, um, but they make sure that then you can pay for the prostitutes, you see. But they always made sure that they had lots of prostitutes, brothels, uh, wherever they had military depots. And since ancient times have used this technique, if you're an army, that they couldn't keep, you couldn't keep it together without cash. They'd go home, you see. If they're not allowed to plunder, and there's not so much plunder you can eventually fill in sacks and carry it with you when you're on foot. So it's easier to pay them cash. But then they start to introducing money into the countries they conquered and uh, and then the same boys that introduced the money into the countries would tax it back from them. That was the beginning of it. And, then, and it's all to do with big big building projects. They love massive building projects, either huge cities or, and, and lovely buildings, all at taxpayers' expense, or, uh, or roads. Romans are famous for this long, long straight roads that they did. And uh, But they've got, got to keep doing it because the guys who lend the money out love to get lots back in interest by big building projects. That's why they love nationalism, socialism, communism. 
And uh, this, this, this one here is about a big building project for the whole of Europe that no one can make sense of. It seems a crazy idea because they don't need it. The London to Birmingham high-speed rail link is part of a Europe-wide scheme dreamed up by Jack Delors back in 1993. It's a tantalizing mystery at the heart of the immense row over the government's proposed new HS2 railway line. Every conceivable argument, commercial, economic and environmental, seems to be against what's been called the worst waste of public money for generations. Well, when there's, there's nothing being produced, you see, they've got to get work in some way or another. And even if it's all public debt that they're using to finance it all, um, then uh, at least the money's moving around amongst the population because there's no other work there, you see. And the bankers love it because they lend the cash out to the governments to do it and then they tax it all back from you. And that's why it works so well. Governments goes hand in hand with banking. It works awfully well. It's a cozy relationship. It says the scheme makes no practical sense at all and yet our government seems determined to railroad it through regardless. The elephant in the room here, as was hinted at in a brief paragraph of last week's statement by Justin Greening, the Transport Secretary. She said that the new line would provide a direct link to the continent, forming the foundation for a potentially wider high-speed network in years to come. So it's a long-term, big-building project that they've always been at, you see. And, uh, well, what can you say to the big builders, eh? And Chris Hoon uh, from the British government's latest report on her future energy supply is a tissue of unproved assumptions and wishful thinking. That doesn't matter, though. Uh, If a minister were to, as a politician, a ministry were to publish uh, publish a completely dotted, misleading 220-page report on an issue of the highest national importance, one might at least raise an eyebrow. But if it appeared under the names of David Cameron and Nick Clegg, one might even be rather worried, but if one then saw that it was also signed by Chris Hewn, the Secretary of State for Energy and Climate Change, one could become seriously alarmed. I always have to laugh at that, you know, yeah, Secretary of Climate Change, because even Socrates talked about that too. He says, not, not intent uh, to have made rules upon all the basic things to do with the earth, as he, as he thought they knew them. Uh, the scientists or priests of the day or philosophers um, we're now making rules on heaven and how you get to heaven and the steps to get to heaven and, and the degrees of to get to heaven and all that stuff. And it, is, it hasn't changed. We've got, we've got a guy in charge of the climate change, like the charge of the weather, a guy in charge of the air, like powers of the air and stuff. And people think it's normal. <laughs> At the beginning of last month, the Department of Energy and Climate Change published two documents purporting to solve the riddle of how Britain will meet its obligation under the Climate Change Act to cut CO2 by 80%, 80% before 2050. This is the UK being the only country in the world committed by law to do this because your politicians sold you out. One document was a lengthy report entitled Carbon Plan. Do you understand they're going to get rid of 80% of the public in that case? This is our low-carbon future. That's another part of it, too. You have to look at your own country and see if they've signed that document, by the way, uh, our low-carbon future. The other is an interactive computer model on the DECC website called 2050 Pathway Calculator, produced under the aegis of DECC's Chief Scientific Advisor, David Mackay, and with a puff from Friends of the Earth. You've got to look into Friends of the Earth and the statements they've made before about culling off the, the useless eaters and stuff. They really hate humanity. <laughs> so they're working along with the, pol- the political um, the bunch in Parliament 
to bring all this in. They, they, they know they're going to kill off the public, but it's already happening, actually. When you've got fuel rations and folk dying in their homes in Britain, uh, 25 to 50,000 a year, and that's okay, uh, then they're already killing you. Plus, there's a lot of other means, too. After Christmas, various newspapers showed some belated interest in these publications. It was shown from government figures that to meet the statutory target would cost every household in Britain nearly £5,000 every year until 2050. Another uh, analyst then made rather more detailed critiques, led by the blogger Tim Worstall, who, under the heading Lying with Numbers, pointed out what seems a fundamental flaw in the DEC's toy computer model. It says, Worstall was started to discover that relying on renewables to generate electric power would uh, be significantly cheaper than relying on conventional power sources such as nuclear and fossil fuels. But I'll touch on this more because we're all going to get the same agenda here. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and I'm talking about the, the nonsense about the carbon uh, and how they're supposed to reduce it by treaties, you see, and meet these reductions come hell or high water. And, uh, and it's all bogus. You just can't do it. It's just what emerges from reading the DECC report in full is how heavily almost every page of it relies on wishful thinking and unproven assumptions. The report babbles on, for instance, about how we will live in zero-carbon homes and a zero-carbon waste economy and how we will build 33 gigawatts of zero-carbon nuclear power and 45 gigawatts of wind power without, of course, pointing out that 45 gigawatts refers to the capacity of the windmills, not the 15 gigawatts or less they may actually produce due to intermittency of the wind. And it says there, too, the report does not recognize that we would still need 28 gigawatts of the fossil fuel electricity, which currently supplies nearly 80% of our needs. You know, you understand they're going to bring on absolute hell because these guys are fixed in their brains and they won't have to suffer at all. They won't live like you or I, all these bureaucrats. They get subsidies for everything. They even get interest-free loans and stuff like that to buy new houses. But, but, but the rest of the public are be suffering like crazy trying to get any power at all. It says, but this brings us to perhaps the most glaring example of wishful thinking that runs right throughout the report. It's insistence that gas and coal-fired power plants can only be allowed if they're fitted with carbon capture and storage. The immensely costly equipment that's supposed to pipe away CO2 and bury it in the ground. It cannot be stated too forcefully that, as yet, the technology to do this has not been commercially developed for the simple reason that, as various scientific studies have shown, it cannot work. There's no way in which vast quantities of CO2 can be injected into rock at the high pressures necessary without fracturing the rock to the point where no more can be injected. Yet it's on this make-believe that the dreams of Cameron, Clegg and Hume ultimately rest. Understand it's not, it's not these politicians at all because they don't make the rules. They, they don't make the agenda. They simply follow the, their orders from their bosses. Uh, but they, they will. They'll bring this country, that country, right down and the whole world. Uh, just like the Soviet Union. In the Soviet Union, they had all these weird ideas on evolution too. They had to prove that evolution worked. And one of their biggest scientists was, was elevated to the top because Stalin believed in him, who said that he could actually force evolve, force evolve particular plants and crops to grow by freezing them in cold water. 
and, and ice and stuff like that. And that would make them ready. You see, they'd just jump evolutionary-wise, and, and, and they could plant them in Siberia. Never worked for all those years, but anyone who criticized the, the, the scientists just ended up disappearing. This, this is a mentality I've got here, you see. And it's back again in full force. He points out the absurdity of something, and, and well, that's you. You're, you're a non-person. And another article, too, that came in today was to do with the bank of natural capital. I've mentioned technocracy before, and technocracy is not just appointing people into positions that politicians previously had. It's to do also with every person on the planet being uh, basically an economic base and an energy consumer. And you would pay for all the energy that you consume. Designed way back in the 1930s. And it says, this is about the TEEB study. It's about the Bank of Natural Capital. Now, what's the Bank of Natural Capital? It's a website created to communicate the findings of the TEEB study into the economic, uh, the economics of ecosystems and biodiversity. You understand? They'll never give you the same name. They'll never call it technocracy. At least not to the rest of the public. But it's, this is the old agenda. The TEEP study assessed the global economic cost of ecosystem degradation and biodiversity loss and recommended solutions to policymakers, administrators, businesses and individuals. It was, an, it was initiated, this is the bank, it was initiated by the G8 and 5 plus 5, hosted by United Nations EP and is supported by the European Commission, that's European Parliament, Germany, UK, Netherlands, Norway, Japan and Sweden. Led by Pavan Sukdev, the study has drawn together experience, knowledge, and expertise of over 500 experts. That's his new priests from science, economics, business, development, and policy from around the world to identify and develop practical actions in response to the growing evidence of the impacts of the loss of biodiversity, etc., etc. So, I'll put this link up tonight too for those who are interested in wage your way through it to see what's all going on at the same time. All these things are going on at the same time to bring in one new system and where you would be billed for every darn thing that you, even a wrapper, the cost of making a wrapper for a piece of chocolate, the energy it consumed making that wrapper is, is going to be tacked on to the price of it for you. And another article too is an insignificant change in the Antarctic snowmelt uh, since 1979. A new study has come out by the big boys themselves who had to admit that there's no, there's no difference at all. So it's, it's, it's just the way things go, isn't it? Another link to put up to is Global Governance by 2025. I've put it up twice already. Uh, it's amazing I put stuff out there and it's around a big circle that comes back to me <laughs> from a whole bunch of sources. But I'll put it up again because it's quite a good article. So, global governance by 2025 by U.S. and E.U. intelligence agencies. I think I'll also put up, too, that old one to do with um, the hard road to, to uh, world order. It was called by the Council on Foreign Relations uh, through their Foreign Affairs magazine. That's quite a few years old. They talked about running rings around the Constitution to get it and so on, and rather than just hit it head on. But I'll put that up tonight as well. And... Part of that uh, psychopolitics and, uh, uh, and, and brainwashing technique that we're coming out talking about in the 1930s by Berry and others was to do with pushing psychiatry and psychology to the head uh, until they'll be the real bosses and everything. Now they want to drug shy children. Yep, give them drugs. Back with more after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And uh, mentioning again, to do with this article and other articles we read tonight, uh, about the, the, the Russian art of, of really psychopolitics, as it called it, how they would promote psychology and psychiatry, the, the new gods, basically, uh, up to the top. And they would start to, to advise governments and even take over court systems, which is actually happening in South Africa. South Africa's a test bed right now. They're talking about doing away with court systems and, and appointing psychologists and psychiatrists over all crime, or criminal uh, hearings. No kidding. This is happening right now. And it'll happen elsewhere too. And the UN is, is all behind it, of course, because they're the big communist organization owned by the Royal Institute of International Affairs that set them up. So here they go with the next phase of it. Children who are shy or considered moody run the risk of being diagnosed with mental illness and given powerful drugs like Prozac, psychologists have warned. Experts said mental health diagnoses are likely to increase from 2013 as new guidelines on the definition of mental illness are drawn up in America and are likely to be replicated in Britain. Now, new guidelines, they actually make new diseases all the time. You get nervous nervous legs uh, syndrome, for instance. You get a pill for that. Now, all children sit there sometimes with their balancing on the ball of their, their toes and, and uh, the, the legs go, you're just full of energy. Well, that's an illness now. In the Soviet Union, if you had inflexibility of opinion on a particular topic, say like global warming, uh, they locked you up as a nutcase. Uh, and uh, that was it. Uh, psychologists in the UK fear school is children can be diagnosed with mental illnesses like social anxiety disorder if they're quieter amongst their peers or depression if a child is temporarily sad or is battling bereavement. Meanwhile, youngsters who appear to lose their temper easily or answer back to adults could be classed as having oppositional defiant or disorder. Once diagnosed, psychologists say children are likely to be treated with powerful drugs like Prozac or Ritalin to curb their behavior without fully understanding the long-term impacts. Ritalin is already used to help control attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in youngsters under 6, and about 650,000 children aged between 8 and 13 have also been prescribed a drug or an equivalent. This is just in one country. And it says... um, Social anxiety disorder is where someone is fearful or anxious about social situations where they might be exposed to scrutiny by others. They might be fearful of situations including having a conversation, being watched or performing in front of other people. You get social anxiety going through certain parts of Toronto now. Youngsters may react by clinging on to adults, crying or refusing to speak in social situations. And then it explains what oppositional defiant disorder as well. It's everything they've learned from television. We know with a dumb dad and, and a, a dominant mother and, uh, and how you talk back to your dad and so on. Earlier this week, the TUC called for an investigation into the use of mental health drugs among school-aged children and voted to see more research into their long-term impacts. Kate Fallon, General Secretary of Association of Educational Psychologists, told the Daily Telegraph, behaviours develop over a long period of time, often with a range of complex causes. We can't cure the behaviours we don't like with a quick fix of medicine. But, of course, the big uh, powerful uh, medicine and pharma bodies are, are lobbying governments all the time as well. See, they all work in concert. 
all these organizations working. Co- you understand the military industrial complex also includes pharma. I hope you understand that. And we read through Huxley's works and Russell's works and many other people's works. They all talked about giving us all drugs at the end. You see? And it's here. It's actually here. It's like when you're living under communism and you're redistributing your wealth across the world like we're doing now. Since the bank failure, your bosses all signed an agreement and we're taking your tax money and putting it across the world. It actually goes to international corporations, of course, not to third world countries as they say it is. But um, that's communism, folks. And they'll never tell you the word, so you'll link it all together. That's how they work these things. Anyway, it says, they usually require careful management by all the adults around the child's. Parents need to take time and energy to help their children deal with the problems and warned it was tempting to opt for a drug which would be quicker to change their behavior. So, you get ready for more diagnosis of children. And, of course, they never mention the inoculations and vaccines that give inflammation in the brain. I'll be talking about that tonight, too. There's another study done on that, showing you that it kills off brain cells, these actual vaccines, etc., which they've known from the very beginning. Now, I've also mentioned as well, uh, people like not just the communists, uh, but also uh, the guys that worked in tandem with them, a lot of the scientists in Britain and elsewhere, uh, Charles Galton Darwin, who in his book, The Next Million Years, just bewailed and bemoaned the fact of the inferior types breeding too much, and they would overtake uh, all the elite, uh, better, you know, the better gene types, like himself. And he advised and advocated tampering with the hormones in males and females. Yes, it could be done by adding something to the food. Well, we're on GM food now, and it's also been soaked in heavy estrogen, so, uh, sort of pesticides, estrogen makers. And um, the vaccines, it mentioned too, putting vaccines, it would target the gonads, etc. Uh, we could also put it in the, the water supply as well. Even talked about spraying it at one point. Now, here's what I've been saying for years. It was noticed first in the 60s uh, and definitely spit up in the 70s. Uh, and it was a change in, in women that became awfully noticeable. They started to lose their hips altogether and more cesarean sections were done because they, they couldn't expand the hips uh, and, uh, d- during pregnancy, uh, during birth. It says there's a growing number of women with soaring male hormones. Now, that should that should be a, a red light, this do you know, going up there, and the serious consequences that come with that. The disorder is more common in Australia than almost anywhere else in the world. Actually, Britain's pretty well on par with them, where the females are awfully aggressive. In fact, they, the, the cops say that themselves. There's more problems with women now than guys. Unusual fits of rage, emotional slumps, and even physical changes are all symptoms that are too often brushed over as stress or the side effects of a busy life. Well, how can you get physical changes on the effects of a busy life? In reality, though, they're the signs of something else entirely. Australian women are suffering from a condition nicknamed the beast within. Nurse and naturopath Sam Bow Patrick has seen a massive jump in women with high male hormone levels dangerously high level amounts of testosterone that are not injected like some athletes, but produced by women themselves. You understand by the, the careful insertion of stuff into your food and, and injections, not rest of it, um, they can actually make you produce far more uh, testosterone or any other um, hormone for that matter. And it says here, ladies are elevating their male hormones, which is basically testosterone, Bo Patrick said. 
According to her, the normal testosterone level for an average woman is meant to be around 80 to 90. Just to put it into some perspective, uh, male levels of testosterone are 200 to 400. It says, I have women regularly returning levels of 250 or even 300. Even 150 for some ladies is just too much, Bo Patrick said. One lady had 400, equivalent to a male, and that's a young male, by the way, was definitely starting to have facial hair. It was in a way that when you look at her, physically she looked like she was becoming a male. And now that's without injections or anything else. There'll be no inquiry into this, by the way, because they know they're doing it. Uh, just like the male uh, sperm count has plummeted, and then the guys all decide to have sex changes. You know. Uh, so anyway, uh, there'll be no inquiry into it because it's meant to be this way at the top. It says Hollywood is often toyed with movies about attractive, high-powered women battling out with men and choosing to be tough to match it in a man's world. So their whole spin on it here is that because women are competing with men, uh, uh, they're putting up their testosterone levels naturally because they, they don't know. They don't know that this is the agenda. But I'll put up this link tonight for, for those who are interested one way or another. And global warming red-faced climatologist issues a groveling apology, it says here. This is on BBC Radio 4, more or less. This is it was the episode announcing the Global Warming Policy Foundation scientific advisor, Dr. David Whitehouse, had won a £100 bet made on the program four years ago with climatologist Dr. James Annan. Annan predicted temperatures would rise in that period. Whitehouse predicted they wouldn't. Annan lost. But he never guessed from his high-handed tone when he was asked why he'd lost. He says it was just bad luck. They can't admit to anything, these liars, you see. And it's been good on to insist, contradicting most available real-world data, it must be said, that the trend for global warming remained robustly positive. Even, oh, it's just amazing, eh? It's, it's just the Soviet Union. That's how they were in the Soviet Union. With all the, you know, evolution existed. They could force evolution to happen. They could make it the new Sovieticus man, they said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they could make him into a new man for the, for the 21st century. Well, they are. They're, they're going to beauty pageants now with women. He then agreed to another four-year bet. If it went against him a second time, he would change his mind. And then was asked, at first he appeared to agree that it would, it would, but then he started backtracking, insisting that it wouldn't change in the slightest his views that carbon dioxide causes global warming. So there you go. And these are the guys who are going to lock you up for having inflexibility of opinion. Hmm? And another article two is to do with uh, Israeli intelligence agents posed as a CIA. This is how they do it. Remember that their motto in the Mossad is, by way of deception, we shall wage war. Deception. Someone else always gets the blame. So in- Israeli intelligence agents posed as a CIA to recruit operatives against Iran's nuclear program. This is from the Mail Online. One of the main entities in the Israeli intelligence community has been placing its agents within the CIA to recruit operatives against Iran's nuclear program, according to a new report. Mossad officers posed as the CIA agents were recruiting and were recruiting for the Pakistani militant group at Jundullah, uh, the report says. So we all, we all blame, blame Pakistan for this. It's, oh, it's one of these militant groups. The operation, often, often called a false flag operation, occurred during the presidency of George W. Bush. It won't stop, though. An explosive article by Foreign Policy, the magazine examines a series of CIA memos that detail operation setting six U.S. intelligence officers as source of information. It details how Mossad officers were equipped with U.S. money, passports, uh, and they were recruiting extremists, 
under the, the nose of the U.S. intelligence officers. Well, that took cooperation, didn't it? The terrorist group, unlike most Iranians, follow the, the Sunni branch of Islam. News of the covert operation, including the Jandala-run execution of an Iranian nuclear scientist, trickled up the hierarchy of U.S. government. When President Bush heard this was going on, he went absolutely ballistic, one agent said. After Barack Obama took office, report claimed he drastically scaled back joint U.S.-Israel intelligence programs targeting Iran. Absolutely, they're in bed together. Israel's frequent propositions to carry out covert assassination missions against Iran's nuclear program. And it says Israel is supposed to be working with us, not against us. If they want to shed blood, it would help a lot if it was their blood and not ours, because everybody else gets blamed, right? Uh, the, the propositions were consistently rejected by U.S. officials, the report said. One intelligence official told the magazine, Israel is supposed to be working with us, not against us. And they repeat that. Uh, they should shed their own blood run and get the Americans blamed. It's amazing what the Israelis thought they could get away with, a U.S. intelligence officer told Foreign Policy. The report says that Mossad's activities could increase uh, an already tense relationship between the U.S. and Pakistan. By way of deception, eh? And now the children are getting, I've mentioned this one before, but children are, are basically, uh, their sex education, uh, they, they're getting videos now, which are basically porn videos, like full-scale porn. This is always the whole agenda, too. Hyper-sexualized hyper children before puberty, get them all practicing it before puberty and playing with it, and they'll never bond with a single person in their life. They've separated love and relationship and bonding from the sexual act itself. That was the intention. Again, uh, you know, Beria talked about that way back yonder, and other ones did too from the Soviet Union. Awfully successful, as we can see today. Off, awfully successful. Tremendously so. And an article two with our decline as he's strapped to the devil's chair and pepper sprayed to death. Horrific fate of a mentally ill grandfather who was tortured by police until he died. Nick Christie, 62, was detained by Florida police March 2009. Suffering depression, he had a mental breakdown. No one has ever been charged following the incident. Never, never, they're never charged anymore. So anyway, it says he died after a police officer strapped him naked to a chair, smothered him with a split uh, hood, it's called, or a spit hood, and pepper sprayed him ten times during a 43-hour ordeal, it has been claimed. The guy was getting smothered, did a hood on, right? Nick Christie, 62, was allegedly tortured in the devil's chair at Lee County, a jail after being detained by Florida police officers in March 2009, following his nervous breakdown. The hood designed to stop him from spitting at officers meant he could not escape the noxious fumes uh, from the spray, and he was never allowed to clean the residue from his body while he was strapped, right? His family is now suing Lee County's Sheriff's Department for wrongful death. The retired baller maker suffered from heart disease and emphysema, uh, it's put down to his years as a smoker. Actually, he was, he was work, a worker in an asbestos plant. <laughs> the retired baller maker has suffered from heart disease. And uh, it says, uh, anyway, he had heart attacks and so on when he was in the chair. It's not clear exactly who took the shocking photograph, which was later handed to Fox 13's news team of him sta- st- strapped in the chair with a hood over his face. And it's on the article here. The retired baller maker from Ohio suffered from heart disease, blah, blah, blah. He keeps repeating the same thing. I don't know why. What's wrong with people these days? Uh, these reporters now have thinking bits and bites and, and their memory is so short they keep repeating the same things over and over. Anyway, it says he was treated for depression when he decided to take some time out to visit his brother in Fort Myers. 
Part of the trip, his doctor moved away, leaving no one to manage his emotional state or possible side effects of his drugs. Uh, his wife was so worried about the trip that she contacted the Lee County Police to ask them to keep an eye out for him. Big mistake. You never contact the police because they come in and kill you. I've got articles here where that happened recently too, uh, where, where cops were talking about a, a guy who, I can't remember if he was diabetic or what, but uh, uh, they actually came in, uh, they found the guy and actually killed him. They came in and killed him. So never contact the cops if you're worried about somebody, for goodness sake, you know. So I'll put this article up tonight too. Another one too about a woman who was urinated on by the police. Uh, it's become awfully popular that with Sadis now in a wonderful new society where children have been brought up with porno and deviancy of all kinds. And now you, you pee on your victims, just like those troops did last week, those Marines did on the guys that they killed. So I'll put that up tonight as well. It just goes, it's just amazing the amount of stuff that it is here. And, um, Oh, it, it just doesn't, uh, what can you say? We're, we're totally degraded now. This article here says a judge refused to dismiss the lawsuit of a Western Pennsylvania woman who claimed state troopers pepper sprayed and later urinated on her while she was shackled hand and foot, saying the troopers' claim of sovereign immunity doesn't apply because the alleged misconduct is outside the scope of their official duties. Darina Marie Madison, 40, of Smithfield, sued five troopers from the barracks near Uniontown, August, for conduct she claims occurred when she was riding in her car with a friend and she was stopped for drunken driving. And Madison named two of the troopers and uh, says the Eternal Journey's office representing the troopers asked that the lawsuit be dismissed under the doctrine of sovereign immunity. Sovereign immunity. Which essentially contends that law enforcement officers are immune from being sued for actions within the scope of their employment. Well, where does it say you can pee on your victims when they're shackled? That's from porno movies, folks. If you don't know, back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and I'll go to the callers. Now there's Ed from Massachusetts on the line there. You're there, Ed. Hello? Hello? Yes, go ahead. Hi. Oh, where to start? Um, actually, they've done a lot of research on uh, steroids back in the 40s and 50s right here in uh, Mass General, which put out the pill. Mm-hmm. Which they did uh, a lot of to destroy the culture. Mm-hmm. And um, when, when they attacked marriage and you uh, and music, so you know, like during the seventies, all the rock put out, mm-hmm. you know, oh, uh, yeah. free sex, and in the eighties, it was uh, what anal sex. Remember all those songs, mm-hmm. like Deep Purple, knocking at your back door, yep. right in the nineties. N- now it's rap, and it says back it up here, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no uh-huh. kidding. That's right. No kidding. This one out. Just back it up here, bitch. And rap. So it, it continues, yeah. yeah. And rap. Yeah. And then, uh... So it's an old agenda, but uh, as I say, the um, the whole idea of emasculating the males and making the females more masculine is an old idea, and they came out with all the techniques to do it. Uh, remember too that Charles Galton Darwin was a was actually a physicist. Well, Darwin's the big 
biggest lie ever. I mean, ever, you know, evolution is, is ridiculous if you really mm. search. But what they mean, here's the, here, here's the key though. Uh, behind all the facade of Darwinism, they know they can make things change by using science, you see, and, and chemistry. Yeah, but it's not real science. It's, it's BS. Ah, you're talking about evolution. This is a, a later descendant from him. Charles Galton Darwin was in the 1950s. He, was a, he worked on the Manhattan Project, an atomic bomb. So he was a, a relative of, of uh, Charles Darwin, a descendant. But uh, he himself was, uh, he was also into depopulation. That was his special field, depopulation. And also, he said to get rid of the aggressive males that might fight this new world order. And so he said, well, feminize them and we'll also make the females more aggressive so that, so that it won't be unattractive to the male. Yeah, yeah well, that's where we are today. Yep. I know. Yeah. And that's why sometimes, like uh, the Middle East, I like uh, commend them. Because, you know, the, the man is still the castle of the home there, mm-hmm. you know? Well, they don't have any children's aid there. They don't have children's aid. Yeah, yeah they, don't, they don't need children's aid. They don't need a welfare system. Uh, they will after we bomb them, of course, but, uh, um, but presently they don't need any, any of that stuff. They don't have the crime. Uh, there's no drug uh, pushers there because they, they execute them, you know? So, um, uh, yeah, you have, you have a working society. Education, it yeah. increases. They know that, though. Yeah, they know that. <laughs> That's the intention of it. Well, and well, it all started with Rockefeller, the Fleckner brothers. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know them. Yep. Yeah. They started. They started the uh, the hospital system and mm-hmm. the educational system. Yep. Yep. And they got John Dewey in as well. Yep. But the whole thing is to say we're living through a long, long-term plan. And uh, all the stuff that was planned a hundred years ago, fifty years ago, is all out in the open. I know yeah. that, Alan. But how do we get out of it? Uh, well, number one, it's like Besmanov said. Now the, the the contamination of the culture is, has been successful. It was successful back in the seventies, he said. I know. Uh, and turn off yes, the TV. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the and, and even if you try and keep your children away from everything, they're going to see this stuff at school, they're going to see stuff on friends' television, because it's, it's psychological warfare, and of course the TV industry is all part of it too. You'd have to head for the hills and, and live, in, uh, live in isolation. <laughs> yeah. but, th- but thanks for calling, you're quite right about that. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>